Hello, welcome back to Recovered Redeemed Victorious. I am your host, Leanne, and I am a recovered drug addict and alcoholic. Today we continue on our examination of the 12 steps of recovery, through which there are multiple biblical principles underlying them all. Last week we looked at step six and seven, and this week we're going to move on to steps eight and nine. Step eight says we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. You know, as sinners, and even as Christians, it is impossible to go through life never harming others. You know, it kind of reminds me, um, when I was working on this this topic of harming others, it reminds me of when we used to wear those fad bracelets back in the 90s, um, the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Um, Often when we react out of fear, anger, selfishness, the things we say or do can be harmful to others. Um, And that's kind of the, the, the idea behind, well, what would Jesus do when we become angry, fearful, selfish, when these natural instincts rear their ugly heads in our lives, we can pause and ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? Or we can react according to our feelings of anger, fear, selfishness, and the like. And it's not the anger that's the sin. It's what we do with the anger that causes sin. It's what we do with the fear that causes sin. It's all of the Um, things that we do and the reactions that we have that cause us to sin out of these these fears and oftentimes especially with anger and especially with fear it is very easy to hurt someone else when we're acting on a basis of anger or fear and in so harming another person so we're making a list of all persons we had harmed Right, so we're going to take a look at our life and we're going to go through and say, okay, where have I been selfish? Where have I been dishonest? Where have I been angry? Where have I been afraid? Did I do anything in those situations that harmed another person? Did I steal? Did I lie? Did I act out in anger? Did I physically hurt someone or did I accidentally hurt someone? Um, you know, a lot of people in addiction, sometimes, you know, especially when alcohol gets involved, you know, alcohol can make some people very violent. They wouldn't normally be violent in their normal lives, but then you add alcohol and they become just mean and nasty. And sometimes physical harm is done in those situations. You know, in these steps, we continue in the theme of Romans 3.23, that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the confession piece continues here. Um, First in steps four and five, we confess to God and another person the exact nature of our wrongs. And now we're going to take a look at how those natural instincts have caused us to harm others. The story of Zacchaeus um, is really um, a good example of of what it means to become willing to make amends. You know, I'm going to read Zacchaeus' story in Luke 19, starting at verse 1. 
<clears throat> says Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So I read this story, I think Zacchaeus, being in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus, saw his own harms. He saw, he looked around himself, and he saw all the wealth that he had accumulated off of the backs of the poor and the backs of the needy and all of the dishonest things that he had done to accumulate his wealth. And immediately, upon salvation, recognized the need to make an amends. He immediately became willing to give back four times what he stole because he was touched by salvation. So in, in this step, step eight, <clears throat> we're, con- we're recognizing that we've done things that have harmed other people and it's our salvation which makes us want to make it right. Um, in Ezekiel, bear with me just a moment, Ezekiel 33 verses 12 to 17 says, Son of man, give your people this message. The righteous behavior of righteous people will not save them if they turn to sin, nor will the wicked behavior of wicked people destroy them if they repent and turn from their sins. When I tell righteous people that they will live, but then they sin, expecting their past righteousness to save them, then none of their righteous acts will be remembered. I will destroy them for their sins. And suppose I tell some wicked people that they will surely die, but then they turn from their sins and do what is just and right. For instance, they might give back a debtor's security, return what they have stolen, and obey my life-giving laws, no longer doing what is evil. If they do this, then they will surely live and not die. None of their past sins will be brought up again, for they have done what is just and right, and they will surely live. Your people are saying the Lord isn't doing what is right, but it is they who are not doing what's right. So in this passage, we hear that you know righteous people sometimes turn back to sin, which is why I said that this is important for even Christians to to take a look at and recognize that, you know what, we, we sometimes still struggle with different sinful things and are we harming people in this, in this um, sinful behavior? And so in becoming willing to take a look and give back what we've stolen, give back... Um, or, or ask for forgiveness for, for wrongdoing <clears throat> and no longer doing what is evil, that's how we can truly live in freedom. In Proverbs 16, verse 6 and 7 says, By mercy and loving kindness and truth, not superficial ritual, wickedness is cleansed from the heart. 
and by the fear of the Lord, one avoids evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So it's when we're right with the Lord, we want to be at peace with even our enemies. It's important to recognize that it's mercy, love, and truth being um, the cleaning agents that cleans our heart and it gives us the willingness and the desire to make things right even with our enemies. In Romans 12, 17, and 18 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So there's another piece where <clears throat> when we're doing things that are honorable and we're living in right standing with the Lord, we're, we're going to want to do all that we can to live in peace with everyone. You know, there's a multitude of reasons that a name could end up on our list and not all of them require a direct amends. Um, so it's really important for me to point out here at this point that these steps, um, so both steps four and five, if I didn't clearly mention it, but both steps four and five and steps eight and nine, it's really important that we take these steps with the guidance of a spiritual mentor, someone that can walk our, walk, hold our hand and walk us through this um, because there's so many different facets to making amends. It's not possible for me to cover them all uh, during this podcast. Um, so I just wanted to make it clear that before actually going out and starting to make amends, it's really important to have a spiritual mentor in place to help guide you through the process. You know, my goal here really is to just provide biblical examples of why taking these steps are important um, and beneficial for everyone, regardless of addiction status or lack thereof. Because um, I'm hoping that this message is reaching ears that are potentially just Christians or even just no one that's that's really struggled with addiction, but somehow it can help you in your life, being able to have a, a structured way to help deal with sin um, in a practical Um, easily laid out way. So in step eight, we've made our list. We've recognized that an an amends needs to be made and now we're willing. Um, So in step nine is where we make the actual direct amends. Step nine states, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would would injure them or others. You know, I stress here again, it's very important to Um, have a spiritual mentor to help walk you through this step in order to prevent further harming others because you know we can be so excited to just go out and start apologizing for things we've done and the person on the receiving end might not be in a good place to receive the amends Or maybe you're about to apologize for something that they didn't even know happened and it could cause further harm, right? So it's very important to have someone um, help guide the process so that we're not just willy-nilly going out running around and potentially harming other people. Um, I can speak from my own experience that 9 out of 10 people on my list required a direct amends. But there were some that didn't because it would end up 
harming that person when really I needed to just change my behavior and start living a different way so as to not harm that person, um, knowingly harm that person moving forward. So, um, so it's really important um, that I stress here that it's imp- you need to have someone spiritually um, guided to help us walk through these steps. So in step nine, what is a direct amends? Um, one definition of amends means a change for the better. So as new creations in Christ, we have already begun to change for the better. The old has died away. We're putting on the new man. We're starting to walk through life, trying to avoid sin and do what is right. So naturally that change is going to be visible. Hopefully it's visible to those around us. Um, So an amends can often just be the way we live our life um, as these new creations. However, to experience the full result and freedom from our past and the forgiveness that Jesus has given us, we must forgive ourselves for the wrongs that we've done and then offer up an amends, not just an apology, but the evidence of a changed life. Proverbs 14, 9 says, Fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. Step nine is primarily about reconciliation. Reconciling with ourselves, reconciling to others, and reconciling to God. Um, Reconciling to ourselves probably needs to come. No, it definitely needs to come first. Because first we must be able to forgive ourselves for the things that we've done before we can then go face another person and be able to objectively offer up the amends um, or the changed life, right, to show them and provide evidence of a changed life. Um, We must first be able to have peace within our own selves before we can face another person. Um, Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed, spiritually calm with life, joy, and God's favor are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they will express his character and be called the sons of God. So there's that reconciliation with ourself. We'll be spiritually calm with life, joy, in God's favor, and we will be able to express his character when we are trying to maintain peace. Um, so it's really important to be at, at peace with ourselves before we can then go um, and make peace with others. Matthew five twenty one to 26 says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot... You are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. It's a really 
uh, clear direction from the Lord. Those are Jesus's words in Matthew, in Matthew 5, 21 to 26. It's a very clear directive to make sure that if we have something between us and one of our brothers, it's important to make it right before coming to the Lord because it's Speaking from personal experience, it's really hard to accept the true freedom that forgiveness offers when there's this thing sitting on my shoulder unresolved between me and one of my brothers. Um, you know, sometimes the the willingness piece doesn't come right away. Um, there's a, a lot of prayer that sometimes has to go into, you know, um, being willing, you know, this is more in step eight, but that willingness piece to, to be willing to face someone, because sometimes the, the person on our list may be someone that has harmed us more than we think we've harmed them. Right. So here we have to go and face someone who hurt us in some way and we retaliated and we're there to make an amends for our retaliation, our part in the story. But we have to look someone in the eye and it's really hard sometimes to be willing to look someone that hurt us in the eye and offer them forgiveness. But how can we ask for forgiveness from the Lord and receive that forgiveness if we're not willing to offer forgiveness to that person that harmed us? Right, everything that we've done that the Lord can look at us and you know, not once we've confessed our sins, but prior to that, all of our sins stacked on top of each other are completely forgiven and wiped clean. How can we accept that if we're not willing to to forgive another person who is a sinner just like us, right? Who may have their own demons that they're dealing with you know it's important to remember that God loves each and every every one of us you know so for for me right for me to hold on to anger towards someone and not be willing to make an amends to that person it it starts to develop a wall between me and the forgiveness that Jesus offers um, and it's important to really try to to ask the Lord for help to become willing to make that amends, especially with people that have harmed us first. Um, so as that wall doesn't get so thick that it cuts us off from God completely. Leviticus um, 6, 1 through 7. I really liked this passage. Um, I saved it for close to the last because it, um, it was just really powerful to me. Um, Then the Lord said to Moses, uh, Leviticus 6 verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, suppose one of you sins against your associate and is unfaithful to the Lord. Suppose you cheat in a deal involving a security deposit or you steal or commit fraud or you find lost property and lie about it or you lie while still swearing to tell the truth or you commit any other such sin. If you have sinned in any of these ways, you are guilty. You must give back whatever you stole or the money you took by extortion or the security deposit or the lost property you found or anything obtained by swearing falsely. 
<coughs> you must make restitution by paying the full price plus an additional 20% to the person you have harmed. On the same day, you must present a guilt offering. As a guilt offering to the Lord, you must bring to the priest your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you before the Lord, making you right with him, and you will be forgiven for any of these sins you have committed. What I found really powerful in this is it lists all of these things, all of these sins, right? And that you then have to atone for them by offering a sacrifice. That sacrifice, that guilt offering, has already been made for us. Jesus dying on the cross is our ram without defect, is our guilt offering of equal or greater value than what it is we've stolen, right? So, so we have a responsibility to pay back, to, to be um, reconciled and to pay restitution for the wrongs that we've done because the sacrifice for our sins has already been made. Like we're already forgiven. So it's an act of obedience and, a, and an act of love towards God to go and offer forgiveness to others. Um, by making an amends. You know, so last thing I wanted to talk about um, is that amends don't always go the way we had imagined. You know, sometimes when we sit with someone we've harmed, we're prepared to say something along the lines of, you know, um, an amends often will look like, I know I did this behavior, in the past, I know I lied, I know I stole, I know what I did, whatever, in the past. I'm now living on a spiritual basis, and I have come to see that the ways my actions have hurt you. For that, I am truly sorry. What can I do to make it right? And that piece right there, asking the person you've harmed what you can do to make it right, can go a lot of, a lot of ways. Um, most of the amends that I've made, the person has simply said, I just want to see you be happy. I just want to see you stay sober. I just want you to continue living the life that you live. And then, you know, um, sometimes they don't accept your amends and something nasty can be said and, and you just need to be like, you know what, um, offer that up to the Lord. You know, Proverbs uh, 18, 19 and 20 says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy, satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. So we're doing what is right. We can have satisfaction whether or not our, friended, our offended friend is able to be won back, right? It's not about if they accept the amends or not, it's about <clears throat> putting it in front of them and being obedient and offering it um, up to them. In First Peter three, thirteen to 17, it says, Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid. 
of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live, because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. So there could be sometimes where the person on the receiving end of the amends has been hurt by us so much for so long that that person doesn't want to hear what we have to say. But what is important is that we have been obedient by offering reconciliation. Um, It is up to the Lord to soften that other person's heart to allow us to make it right. So again, it's um, in those situations, often it's the changed life (coughs) that is better so they can see what a good life we live because we belong to Christ. Uh, So I thank you for your attention today. Um, I'm really looking forward to the next several episodes. Steps 10, 11, and 12 are some of my favorite favorite steps. So I'm really looking forward to those. Um, And as always, I hope everyone is happy and healthy and and doing well. Um, And I'm going to close with this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience fully the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love you all. God bless. And I can't wait for next time.